It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. back with part two of uh the know your enemy podcast jeffrey benedict uh how you holding up (laughs) i'm doing all right michael i'm fine oh good stuff now uh obviously a pretty big game coming up on sunday our third uh, divisional game very back heavy uh divisional schedule uh for our team here I, I know I've been kind of dire saying uh, Steelers got back-to-back uh, Bengals, then uh, the Baltimore Ravens. I, if if they split them, they might have some life. If they lose them both, I feel like they, this team might be dead in the water. If they win them both, they're still in the thick of things. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah. Oh, absolutely I would. Like, I'm going to go farther than that. I think, I think if the Steelers lose to the Bengals, we got a really, really tough road just to get it to 8-8. Eight and eight. Just to not have a losing season, that's a tough road If you when you look at the rest of the schedule. So every game from here on, you, you can't have another game where, oh, we could have won it, but we oh, you know, we just we just lost it. Or you you can't have that now. They they've put themselves in this situation. We really have to win games now. Like this that you have to close them out. Yeah, no, this is the thick of the season for your Pittsburgh Steelers. If they can manage to somehow go 5-1 and one in this division, of course, they already have that loss, then they have a legitimate chance winning the, the AFC North. Uh, things are getting considerably harder to be a wild card team now for your Steelers, uh, considering some of the teams they've lost to. Uh, the Bills are, are, are a wild card, card slot team right now, thankfully, uh, so they do have the tiebreaker on them, but... The tie also throws a wrench into things because you're not going to finish with the same record with anyone. So now the Steelers are going to have to—they're uh, going to have to win teams, just flat out 
have more wins than the opposition. That makes things a whole lot easier said than done and a confusing mess. But the Steelers right now are a team that will not die. One of the things we kind of talked about earlier on in the show. Jeffrey, what would you attribute attribute that uh, never never say never uh, attitude mentality uh, toward? I, I think that's the culture of the team. I think that's the culture of the coaches, uh, the veterans. It, it goes through the organization that there's just this belief that you're still in it. And there's enough people who have been around and seen it work, that it that it just builds and it replicates and it keeps going, uh, which is the polar opposite of what you see even, even today in Cleveland. Even though they're a better team and they've won more games, you, you'll still see games where you can just see where Cleveland just loses it just absolutely kind of just falls apart and they're done. You know they're done. Uh, I think the other factor and why the Steelers kind of don't go away is teams when they get a lead change up their defense a little bit when they get a big lead and and they give up, especially like if you look at the the Chargers game this past week, uh, one of the big things was the Chargers stopped defending the underneath crossers as tightly. And we started to, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger had those all day, and we started breaking them for bigger and bigger gains uh, as they were trying to keep, you know, don't give up big plays. Well, that makes sense. But when we're breaking, you know, 20-yard runs off of a, off a short pass, you know, you're you're giving up big plays still. Uh, and I think with Ben Roethlisberger at his age, uh, it's defending the Steelers is more about keeping things tight everywhere Uh and when teams start worrying more about deep passes, which he's not as good at anymore, and, and just kind of backing off and trying to stop big plays, it lets him carve them up underneath. And I, and I think that's another reason why we're seeing the Steelers be a team that, you know, if they fall behind big, they're a team that can come back on you. But they're not always a team that can, you know, start off the game and score and score right away. Now, the Steelers team specifically, personnel-wise, especially on defense, was a sight to see against the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, playing guys like Archer Bong and whoever number 50 was, uh, and then <laughs> Carl Joseph, who, who's wearing number eight now. Uh, yeah. Can the Steelers survive, survive any games uh, with personnel like that, with their their laundry list of star players on the uh, on that injury list a week ago, can, can they win anything if that's what the the rest of the year is going to look like? I think isn't his name uh, what's his name Darnay Scott? Yeah, Something be. like that. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I th- I think his name is actually whoever's wearing fifty now is is his official title now. Uh, but yeah, they man having players that we can actually know who they are. You know, where this defense doesn't look like it's suddenly the fourth quarter of a preseason game, uh, that's going to make a world of difference. Uh, and, it, and it will because, especially if T.J. Watt is back and, and, is, and is, you know, healthy, not, not, not the limited T.J. Watt we saw in Green Bay where he was, you know, he's active, he's playing, but he wasn't himself at all that game. Uh, probably two of, the, two of the cheapest sacks I think that he has ever recorded his career where he just he's in green bay and he got two sacks but they were they were yeah they weren't his normal (laughs) stuff uh but if he's back that changes things drastically absolutely drastic change because i I, we saw i think everyone saw you know justin herbert just start running on the steelers and he was escaping the pocket and running and one of the problems was we talked about this the post game show 
uh, one of the problems was the Steelers, without T.J. Watt, uh, were sending Alex Highsmith, were sending Cameron Hayward to be more aggressive in their pass rush, and that's leaving holes. Whereas when you have a T.J. Watt, you can say, you know, T.J. Watt's going to wreak havoc from that side. We just have to keep the quarterback from escaping T.J. Watt. Like Alex Highsmith and Cameron Hayward, if you're going to get a sack, it's going to be when they're running away from T.J. Watt. That's that's when you collect your sacks. So just keep them in the pocket, trap them there, wait for them to make their move, and then go get them. And that keeps them trapped in the pocket, whereas he was escaping and picking up and running for 90 yards. It's ridiculous. That's that's and really, if you think about it, if you if you take some of those plays and turn them into sacks, that's a major difference in the game. If instead of a 20 yard run, you get a you get an eight yard loss on a sack, that's a drive killer right there. And instead, you know, it's a huge field position jump for the for the other team. So I think that's the biggest one to me, obviously. I, that's that's a real hard, you know, like that's a real bold take there. TJ White being healthy is the biggest factor for this team. Like that's number one. He's one of the best players in the NFL. Uh, so that to me for the defense, that's that's the big one. That is the absolute biggest one right there. Is where's TJ White? How how healthy is he? How what percent is he playing at? Because if he's if he's in 90%, it's a very different game. And it's it's a much better chance for the Steelers. Yeah, one of the things we've learned this season uh, is this, how good DJ Watt is and how much he is deserving of being the highest paid defender in football. The Steelers are considerably worse when he is not on the field. But, uh, of course, limited in practice today. I, I think uh, I think it's se- semi-safe to say that Minka should come off the COVID list uh, by Sunday. Uh, he was added to the list uh, just going on Ben Roethlisberger's timeline. You think he'd be back by the middle of the week or by like late by like Friday or Saturday, a little bit earlier than when Ben was cleared. Um, so from that perspective, uh, say Watt and Minka are both playing this game. Say Joe Hayden is still out, though. What will the Steelers need to do to contain this three-headed monster of receiving core and Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow? Well, if Minka, if Minka Fitzpatrick is back, that that helps a lot. Uh, because you can drop Edmonds and Fitzpatrick both into deep zone and go co- and cover two, and you've you've taken away a lot of it. Uh, the question to me is at that point, what do you do with Tyler Boyd? Right, I know he, I know he's supposed to be playing. He was listed injured. Uh, apparently had some injury in the last game, but he's he's fine for this. Supposedly going to be fine for this game. Uh, he's one that worries me because if you're if you're setting your safety's back to sit and wait for, you know, Chase and Higgins. Tyler Boyd is going to carve you up underneath. And, and our linebackers haven't been much help in coverage, either of them. So that's that's a question to me. Uh, I'm interested to see how our defense plays. I'm, I'm expecting if we do earlier – earlier this year, the situation was, was awkward when we played Cincinnati, and we really struggled with Jamar Chase. Uh Jamar Chase isn't playing as good as he has been. And our secondary, if it's healthier, uh, I think we see a lot of dime. I think we see a lot of it. That worked really well for for the Steelers against them last year, uh, countering their three wide resets, three wide receiver sets with four defensive backs, which really puts you know the emphasis on Joe Mixon and the running game. So I'd I'd like to see that strategy again come back a bit. And uh Especially if Hayden's back, that that becomes a big, a big bonus for us. 
Uh, with Hayden out, though, you almost have to stay in nickel because you do not want uh, – oh, what's his name? I just lost. Number 25. Uh, Keller um, Witherspoon. Keller Witherspoon. Yeah, you don't want him out there. You don't want Justin Lane out there. You don't want someone like that out there covering one of these three. So, for me, Hayden Hayden makes a big difference because that allows us to go into dime, uh, blitz from defensive back spots, do a lot of interesting things. Yeah, offensive line and uh, corner, definitely very high on the offseason uh, priority list. And amongst other things, but uh, that's a, a team on the retool for you. But this week specifically, obviously, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, for the first time, he kind of carved the Steelers up a bit Uh earlier on in the season after getting pretty beat up in uh, the first matchup back when he was a rookie. Uh, is the key to slowing him uh, actually getting home? Of course, that first matchup, the Steelers didn't have TJ Watt available. Uh, so is, uh, is is getting him on the ground uh, the real key to slowing the Bengals quarterback? I think pressuring him out of his comfort zone, messing up his timing is a big deal. And the other one is Jamar Chase. I mean, Jamar Chase crushed us in that game. That, that really... I mean, Bro didn't have a lot of yards. He had, I think, he had two touchdowns, two or three touchdowns, in like eighteen attempts. Uh, but it was it was mostly Jamar Chase really doing the the key damage to the Steelers. Uh, so that's a big one. If, if we can keep if we can keep Jamar Chase under wraps, without and and stop you know Joe Mixon, which I think I think is part of the problem right now. And the reason Joe Mixon is having such a great season is. Teams are learning to focus more on Jamar Chase. Um, and then you've you've still got Higgins on the other side, which means if you're dropping both safeties deep, there's a reason Minka Fitzpatrick's our number one tackler, right? He's having to come up and run support. So if you're dropping him deep to help against Chase, where where is he in run support? You know, he's not there. Uh, so that's, that's where, in my opinion, the Steelers really need a, a Joe Hayden. They really need to have have those names out there because they're they could face some serious problems if they're if they're having to choose between defending you know Joe Mixon and defending a Jamar Chase or T Higgins. So Steelers offense then what are they going to need to do? Are we at the point where we shouldn't be having Ben Roethlisberger throw the ball forty times? We saw it have a little bit of success last week. Uh, Najee Harris has seemed to slow down a titch. Of course, uh, kind of getting beat up a little bit and not having a great O line in front of him. What should the ratio look like these days now for run to pass? Oh, I think we need we need to be more run heavy. I, I, I think everyone I think everyone feels the same on that remark. Uh, but man, the Bengals the Bengals and Joe Mixon uh, are a great example of what I want to see more of, and I think most people would like to see more from the Steelers. They they've run significantly more than the Steelers this year. I think they have not like a ton more, but they have like 19 more attempts. But yet, Jamar uh, Joe Mixon has has less carries than Najee Harris by a decent margin. And when you take out like the the wide receiver runs that the Steelers have from their jet sweeps, the the percentage of running back carries that that Najee has is way too high. It's drastically too high. I, the the Bengals have like the Bengals have over 60. Uh, have like 40-some, 40, 40, 50 carries from their backup uh, running backs, and the Steelers have like 20, right, like for the season. And that's just – that's too much weight on Najee. I, I know I know. we say, you know, they have to run more. 
The Steelers need to com- commit to the run more. But Najee Harris, I believe, is on pace to top Le'Veon Bell's like highest seasons and touches. And that's that's a rookie, man. That's like the that's the guy that you want to be the next three, four years, one of the top players on your team. Not this year. Next year he's still good, and the year after that he's he doesn't have it anymore because you ran him into the ground. We don't need that. We need him to be good for a while because the whole idea of getting a running back is you, is you give him to Ben in his last years, but also he's helping the next guy come in. The next guy, quarterback who comes in is going to have this running back, right, to kind of get him through his early years and, and get him acclimated to the NFL, give him time to grow as a player. If, if we're going to sacrifice that, you know, to 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 maybe go, you know, nine, seven and one instead of seven, nine and one this year. I think your priorities are our priorities are wrong. Like, like I get trying to win every game, but you can't run Najee Harris into the ground just to try and, you know, boost your win total by one in the season that you're already pretty much out of it. One of the tough things with that though, is uh, it seems like anytime Benny Snell's on the field or Kalen Balazs and they get the ball, it seems like a wasted play. Um, and then Anthony McFarland can't find himself off that healthy scratch list. We saw this past week Philip Lindsay end up on waivers, of course, claimed by the Miami Dolphins. Do you think the Steelers made a mistake not uh, adding a, a real number two to complement uh, rookie running back? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I talked about ideally I, I would have loved to have seen James Conner stick around uh, as the number two running back. Obviously, I don't think that's what he wanted. Uh, and he, He's got a good thing going on in Arizona. But, yeah, you'd love to have – a number two guy that actually can do well, right? Like Benny Snell, you know, if we had the, if this was, this was a 2004 Steelers offensive line, Benny Snell would be a solid running back, you know, backup. Uh, cause, cause they just, you know, just be like running. And when you hit the back of Alan Fanica, you know, just keep going until you fall down. Uh, For eight that, yards. That's not, yeah, that's, that's what everyone did back then. That's what Malel Day Moore did. It worked for him. He just crashed into the back of – he just ran up Alan Fanica's back every play. Uh, and we don't have that – we don't have that line. We don't have that line right now, and Benny Snell's not going to get it cut it on this – the line we do have. Uh, but they've improved a bit. They're actually getting some yardage. I think they got like eight yards between them in the last game. So maybe there's some hope there. But I do think the Steelers really, really need another running back but this whole season, I mean, if you look at the story of the roster, the story of this season has been that the 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 lack of depth because of the salary cap dropping has been the storyline here. We we had to let two cornerbacks walk. We lost, you know, we didn't we didn't weren't able to bring in any depth defensive line. We did we had to we lost Bud Dupree and went with Melvin Ingram. Uh, you know, Cameron Sutton went from our number four corner to our number two corner. Like that's that's a big change. And last week he was number one with Joe Hayden. Now he's our number one guy, and he was number four last year. That's he's a good player. I don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not criticizing Cameron Sutton, but that tells you a lot. And that tells you that you know James Pierre was our number six guy. He's our number three or four guy now. So that's it's it's tough. And and with the, really the Steelers' depth is an issue, but it's it's an issue of finances it's an issue of salary cap really yeah and we're at that 
that part of the year with the injuries the Steelers already have, it seems like they're one injury away from the season completely going off rails. Uh, Like they can't really survive another one at receiver. They couldn't, uh, the amount of times Najee Harris took some brutal looking hits in that Chargers game. Shoot. I thought he tore his ACL in the first quarter. And then I thought he got one of those career threatening concussions in the fourth. Uh, Defensively, the D line shredded outside linebackers. You, there's Melvin Ingram's gone. There, there's no one behind, and you saw what happened when TJ Watson not on the field. You're not getting anyone from Tuska or Charlton or whoever. And Devin Bush and Schobert don't look as good as they once did. Mika Fitzpatrick, now you got a rookie standing there, and Joe Hayden's gone. Like at this point, the Steelers are in a real pickle if one more injury hits. Is there any position of depth where the Steelers can survive a game when someone gets hurt? Actually, I think inside linebacker. Because <laughs> they got Spillane. <laughs> like they got Spillane. He plays dime now. You can just be like, well, now we have two inside linebackers. There you go. And Ulysses Gilbert's been there all season. You know, he probably and Marcus, Johnson's also Marcus there. Marcus Allen played last year. He hasn't played at all this season. Like we have I, I, we have five players that have played that played last year on you know on, at inside linebacker. Uh other than that, no, there's there's nowhere. There's nowhere. I mean, offensive line is super thin right now. Everything's you know, super swing thin. tackles playing left guard. It's yeah. and heck, Eric Ebron's hurt. He's probably done for the year. Now tight end, like you're one injury at tight end away from being in some real trouble. And you're not a Zach Gentry fan here? You're not a big big <laughs> You know, he has surprised me. And I like Kevin Rader yeah. in special teams, but uh still uh, you want some higher upside from uh your tight ends yeah. like Pat Farmuth and then Gentry is your number two. I don't hate that, but at the end of the day, is it, once again one injury away from from some yeah, pretty dire stuff. You don't want to be one deep at tight end and three deep at wide receiver. That doesn't give you any options. So of course, Ray Ray McLeod finds himself on the COVID list uh, this week. He's he's become a target in the receiving core, which is really strange. And he, he's he had a decent game against uh, the Chargers as a return man. Can you explain his kind of emergence and why he's getting so many targets? Uh, Mason Rudolph was the reason he got those targets. Well, I mean, he's getting though. some. He's getting some because, uh, especially with Chase Claypool out, you've got to have some something out there to threaten people. And at least Ray Ray McLeod, he may not be a reliable threat, He's but he's an unreliable threat, right? He's a guy that could break a run. He's a guy that can take a short pass and break it for big distance. If you if you let him get behind you, he's fast enough. And heck, if he catches the ball, it could be really bad for you. So he is a threat you have to respect, even if he's not a reliable threat. Uh, whereas James Washington is reliably not a threat. Like it's a non-threat. He's reliable, but you're not worried about him. Uh, we're, we just covered that. We're covering that in... Uh, to give a little foreshadowing here, Dave Schofield and our vertex is on the difference Chase Claypool made coming back to the offense. Uh, there was there was a throw against Detroit where he's just running an out route and he beats the corner right, and the corner is just shoulder to shoulder coverage with him, but isn't running full speed to stay with James Washington. So when they tried a backcourt shoulder throw, he slowed down with James Washington, got his arm up there and batted the ball away because he didn't have to run fast. He wasn't like running fast to keep up with him and then boom gets caught off guard by the back shoulder throw he was able to slow down and handle it uh so for me like ray ray mcleod provides that kind of threat that the steelers need when they don't have a deontay johnson or they don't have a chase claypool uh but he's not reliable enough to be that guy 
unless you're desperate. And sadly, with with Juju Smith Schuster out already, uh, the Steelers the Steelers quickly become that desperate if they lose a Claypool or a Deontay Johnson. Now, could this be the week we finally see Anthony Miller step in the lineup? Then, as uh, if McLeod's out, it seems like the Steelers signed this guy to actually play, and now he's never cracked the lineup once. That could be interesting. That'd be nice to have one of the Steelers signings that that you we've we've looked at this season with Carl Jovis and. A, Carl Joseph and Akella Witherspoon, all these, and even Belvin Ingram, throw him in that power. You're just like, hey, okay, they brought in a free agent who's going to make an impact. And it's like, nope, no, they're not. They're not that guy. Uh, so maybe, who knows? Maybe he's that guy. But uh, history saying, no, we're not going to see that. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah this is probably going to end up being uh, another offseason where the Steelers make no signings because of how poorly uh, a year of actual offseason signings kind of go. I guess they weren't like, high-end guys, but still, it's just one of yeah. those that probably just reaffirms the, the back room's uh, thought on things. But speaking of, of personnel, uh, is it time to pull, like, the, the panic button or the panic parachute on uh, Zach Banner? Because he – I don't know if he just can't get healthy, if he's not good enough anymore at this point, or why the heck he can't crack this lineup with the amount of injuries they got. What, what uh, What's your vibe on, on Zach Banner? Did he, did he just get his first snap? Of the season, he was playing like on like punt team or whatever. It's like a personal protector. He wasn't even playing offensive line. He got one snap. Hmm. He got one snap, and that's it. Uh well, the thing there is the Steelers have been healthy at tackle. That's really the only spot they've been healthy. Uh, and meanwhile, you've got you know tackles playing guard, and you've got your backup center playing guard. Uh, but they've got Zach Banner out there at tackle. I just, we haven't gotten to see if he would actually be the next guy in at tackle or if it would be Hag because those tackles aren't missing time. Dan Moore Jr. has stayed healthy. I, I am kind of surprised though. Uh, Kevin Dotson couldn't keep a roster spot last season when he was our best offensive lineman. And Dan Moore Jr., who I love the man's run blocking, but he, he he's absolutely terrible in pass protection. And Zach Banner can't get a snap over him when he's a veteran. Uh, you you would expect kind of the similar treatment, right? But that's not at all what we're seeing. We're seeing Dan Moore Jr. kind of has that position locked down. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, this next Steelers offseason is going to be a doozy. <laughs> it better be at least because uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be something. More money in the bank account, a bunch of guys that should probably get cut, all, all these contracts with void years on them. What yeah. will they do? No quarter. Let's, well, go, get a Deont- Let's go get a Dante Moncrief and a, a Mark Barron. Maybe a, uh, oh, what was the guy? What was the guy that was the terrible defensive lineman they brought in from the Chargers years ago? Oh, gosh, I cannot remember his name. Oh, but, I know who you're talking you know, about. No, you can sign, sign those guys. Steelers are great at free agency. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start crying in a minute here. Uh, anywho. Uh, this That's Sunday's goal, game, Michael. maybe we should get into uh, some game predictions here. Uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, who's winning between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals, and what's your final score, Mr. Benedict? Well, I, I haven't been right yet, so why bother trying? Um, well, yeah, I'm terrible at that. It's getting worse this season. I have these great ideas of what's going to happen, and it's nowhere close. Uh, so I'm going to go Steelers winning. I, I think the offense drops straight back into the toilet, but I think the defense recovers. And, and I'm going to say Steelers win this one 21 to 17. 
it, what sucks is not knowing the status of the defensive players. If Watt and Minka and Hayden are all out again, the Bengals will probably score 40. Like any NFL, NFL offense, legitimate offense, should put 40 up against that no-name defense that the Chargers played yeah. against. So I'm going to make this pr- prediction on the basis that they will be playing. And I will say the Steelers also eke out a victory, a low-scoring game. Uh, the defense plays out of their mind. I am going to go with the final score of 17-14 to 14 for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and the Esco loser will be uh, ridden uh, with pride uh, by your uh, Steelers faithful, whoever uh, attends that game. So neither of us, neither of us, both of us are, are uh, believe more in the defense than than that offense breaking out. Because I've heard people talking about, oh Ben Roethlisberger, you know maybe we're seeing flashes that he's he's back and he's going to be, you know, getting rolling into form again. Uh, you're not buying that? Uh, no, um, I think Ben is what he is. Like he's he's been a game manager. Uh, I wouldn't say he's about to take off here. Uh, he got a lot of. A very courteous uh, defensive play uh, from trailing by so much in that second half against the Chargers. That's going to help any quarterback stats. Uh, that that he's also in the midst of the longest streak of his career, uh, longest streaks per games without an interception with five in a row, which is pretty crazy. Um, by that logic, he's probably going to throw a pick. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I think Ben could still be this guy. Heck, he could be this guy for another year or two. That doesn't make you dangerous. It doesn't make you yeah. like a quarterback to be to be scared of. It's just someone that can manage a game. Is is that is that what you're thinking as well? Absolutely. I'm on this exact same page. It's it's weird because we can use the game manager title now. Uh, and if you think back when Ben was a rookie, even his first and second year when he won the Super Bowl, he was labeled a game manager. And yet, if you look at his game, it's like he's the exact opposite of that version of himself. Like they are complete opposites. Whereas then he would, I mean, he'd run around and buy time and throw bombs all day. And they called him a game manager. And now he's just the quickest release, get rid of the ball as quickly as possible. And everything's <laughs> underneath. And now, you know, he, he is a game manager now. That's what a game manager does is what Ben Roethlisberger is doing now. But in all honesty, if you're going to have a quarterback who does that, you're not getting a much better one than Ben Roethlisberger's been at it these past two seasons. He's been really good at it. It's just there's a reason you need a quarterback who can do more than that physically still uh, because, as you see, it's it's easy to shut down. It's too easy to counter that. Hey, if it was 2005, that'd, that'd be great, but that's not the the league yeah. that we're in anymore. Now now you got to put up crazy yards and crazy touchdowns, and that's, that's how the Super Bowl is won, but uh, it is that time, uh, so – there's anything Jeffrey that uh, you want to uh, plug for the people uh, I encourage you to do so I put out uh I got a film room that came out I think it was today today or yesterday I don't know dates or times I don't know what's going on uh but I did a, a film room on JC Hassenauer and how he's improved and become like a really solid backup like think BJ Finney that's what we have in JC Hassenauer the guy that I, I tore into last year for correlating to the Steelers worst games uh on offense just by being in there and his film was bad too he's just, he was not, he shouldn't have been playing uh and this year the improvement that young man has gone through has been something else he's one of the great stories of this season is how much jc hassenhauer has improved and just going into his second year in the nfl uh check that one out and then the vertex uh for uh dave schofield nice coming out tomorrow so 
if you're if you're on your phone trying to ignore your family and some like political discussion or something, hey, go to behind the steel curtain and check out my the vertex and uh, see why Chase Claypool matters a lot to this offense, even if even if maybe he's not fitting the offense as well as he would if you know there was a different quarterback uh, who was throwing the ball downfield better and and than, than what we have now. I guess it's also a good time to uh, bring up your uh, your daily reminder that BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, from Jeffrey's film rooms to those Vertex articles, commentary, grades, you name it, is available at BTSC. Uh, make sure you're clicking throughout the day, too, because there's always tons of breaking news. And that in- injury information that uh, will be oh so critical to this week's game gets updated the moment we know exactly what's going on. So make sure you're checking out Behind the Steel Curtain. And if you're watching on YouTube and Facebook right now, it's also important to know you're only getting about a third of the story. Uh, If you search behind the steel curtain or heck, just search the Steelers, you'll find uh, the BTSC uh, family podcast wherever you get your podcast from, whether Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, you name it, wherever you get them, it is available to you there. So just search up Steelers or behind the steel curtain uh, to get the entire family of BTSC podcasts. Uh, I think it's 25 original titles a week, and we'll have uh, some extra special ones sprinkled in uh, for Thanksgiving. And speaking of that, as we sign off here, and uh, as we'll catch you next week, happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of our uh, loyal listeners. Uh, we are definitely thankful for you, and we're thankful for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jeffrey, is, is there anything you want to add on there? I'm good. <laughs> awesome. Have a good night, guys. Hey.